Hello everyone, my name's Aaron. Thanks very much for having me. Um, it is a real privilege actually to be asked to speak here. Hopefully um, I haven't drove on too long. Um, Matt is a very good friend of mine, and Maddie too, and known them a long, long time. And yeah, it's special to be given this little honour to share with you. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, actually. So that's, that's uh, except also that maybe just a bit more bio. So uh, in my spare time, I like cricket and craft beer. Um, at Central. Um, I'm quite passionate about prayer ministry, so I'm on the prayer ministry team there, and I love hearing people's stories and praying for people and trying to hear what God has to say for them. Um, I've got a mentee, he's great. Um, he'll be leaving soon for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I went home with two great people, Sarah and Chloe are also here, so yeah, those are kind of the things I do at Central. Um, come on, there's some bits and bobs. Uh, let's go to the next slide where. So this is the mission brief that Matt sort of sent me. Feels like donkeys years ago now. It must have been October, November. Maybe not quite that long. It was a while ago. Um, and it's Peter and Zeal. That's what we're talking about. Zeal, passion, strong passion. Zeal is more than just passion. I think strong passion. But in a short period of time, Peter says he'd be willing to die for Jesus. He falls asleep when Jesus needs him most to make up for the cuts of someone's ear to defend him. How can we balance our zeal or passion for God with a consistent faith which makes it through the tough times? That's what I'm going to try and answer for you all and sort of give some practical tidbits, if possible. Um, just to say, the two passages that we're looking at tonight are Luke 22. Um, I haven't put it up there because it's quite a long one that Matt gave me, so just be aware of chapter 22 in Luke because you'll need that. And then uh, a little bit also John 18. Those are the two we're going to be looking at. In Luke 22, to paraphrase that, um, Peter says he's all in, he goes to prison for Jesus, he would die for Jesus. We now see later that it didn't quite pans out. Uh, John 18 is where Jesus is actually arrested, uh, and Peter takes a sword out and cuts off someone's ear, to which Jesus goes, oh. <laughs> so those, those are the uh, paraphrase of the two passages, 22 in Luke, and then 18 in John, you will need those. So, if we go to the first slide... God's divine protection. So, how do we live a passionate, zealous life for Christ and for others, uh, but also a consistent one too? Um, I pick this one out first because actually I think this is probably one of the most important. I think we need God's protection. So, I'm going to look at two verses to back that one up. They're both in Luke 22, if you've got that one open. Uh, Luke 22, 31 to 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I pray for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. And then we see later on when they're in the garden, that's the other sort of main movement, except for a bit of commissioning. Um, he says in 40, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then later on in 46, he says again, get up and pray so you will not fall into temptation. Um, and there seems to be something here around an enemy, capital E, that wants to stop us, and actually, uh, you know, I, I believe in the devil, Satan, the enemy, whatever, uh, as an active presence in the world, not just a concept, and actually he's someone we need to be aware of, not afraid of, that's really important, I don't use the word afraid, but we need to be aware of any opposition, adversary, and the tricks they might want to pull to stop us being happy in our lives, and productive for the kingdom of God. I always find Jesus' use of words in the garden very interesting. He says, pray that you may not enter, well, 
meet the ESP version. I pray that you may not enter into temptation. It says fall into temptation here, then fall again. Almost the idea that temptation is a place, a geographical place nearly, and actually, once you're in, you ain't coming out. And I think there's something really healthy as Christians to have humility around our own vices. And there are some areas of our lives where, generally speaking, we have good presence of mind and we're quite strong and we have constitution. And there are some things, some blind spots, and things where we're just weaker, where actually, um, if it isn't for the saving grace and provision of God, we will fall. We will not honour Him or ourselves or other people. So it's good to be aware of those um, and to pray to be spared from those places. If we go on. Rashness, yeah. I am um, less so now, but in my, in my younger days, gee whiz, I was a rash guy. Yeah, really, really. Just, some of the things I've done and said in my life were really stupid, man. Just took five minutes to sort of think about those. Oh man, that, those situations would have gone differently. Um, got two verses I want to look at here. One in Luke, one in John. Uh, 22:33 in Luke. Uh, and he replied, Lord, I'm going to go with you to prison and to death. Um, and then in John, I'll just only briefly sort of look at this. It's the bit where he cuts off the ear. I will actually read it out. <laughs> yeah. Then Simon Peter had a sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's servant's ear, cutting it off. The servant's name was Marcus. Um, these were not thought through decisions. These were not thought through words. Um, Peter did not think through the cost of going to prison with someone. He did not think through the cost of giving up your life for another person. He did not think through violence. Um, and I guess I would just say to everyone here, Jenny, and also to myself, um, how much safer, how much more productive and fruitful can we all be if we just take a bit of time to think before we make decisions, before we say things in our lives? How different would the world be if it was a world of thought before it spoke or acted? Misunderstanding Jesus. Um, we're saying on these same two verses, um, we have to hear. I think not only was there rushing here, but there was quite a fundamental misunderstanding around what Jesus actually requires. Um, Peter said, I'll go to prison with you, I'll die for you. That was never Jesus' plan for Peter. Actually, he was the rock on which Peter wanted the church to be built, really. Jesus didn't want Peter to die there. He had a whole, he knew, of course, Peter didn't at that point, but there was a whole other ministry to come from Peter. And actually, if we die with Jesus then, obviously we don't want to put God in a box and we can use other people, but Peter was, I would say, more key than probably anyone else except for maybe Paul in the early church. So um, there was another misunderstanding of God's plan there, and there was a misunderstanding about the place of direct action here. Um, it's my view that I, I don't think God ever wants us to be mine. I, I really believe that quite strongly. I think he wants us to be people of peace. I think there's a reason that uh, peacemakers are blessed in the Beatitudes, and that's there for a reason. I think that's part of that. And actually, um, where in your life do you feel like you don't have the understanding or the knowledge and the information you need to follow Jesus properly? Are there any areas of your life where you're just not quite sure what Jesus actually expects of you? Um, I believe that he can speak to you about that tonight and give you a bit of guidance. Yeah. If we go on. Misunderstanding ourselves. I, I do think here, Peter, 
he not only misunderstood Jesus and what Jesus wanted, I think he also misunderstood himself. Um, for a third time, I would look at the 2233, I would die and go to prison for you. Um, he didn't just rush, he didn't just misunderstand Jesus. I think he didn't understand his own limitations. Um, he didn't understand the frailty and weakness as a person. And I think uh, whether it's burnout, whether it's being involved in vocations and giftings that are not us, um, or something else, there's probably lots of examples. And quite a lot of harm can come from not knowing who we are and what we're good at, what we're bad at, where we still have things to give and where we've run out and we really need to take a break or rest or step back and do something else to God. Um, but also looking at the garden, Luke 22, 45, Jesus comes back from sweating blood and praying. Um, they're all keeping in a bush somewhere, basically, which is probably quite disappointing. In the, you know, I'm sure Jesus would be quite forlorn with that. But I'm adamant that the disciples would have gone to the garden full of fur, and they would have expected to go to the garden and be up with him all night, lifting Christ's petition to his Father. I'm sure Jesus was only probably gone 10, 20, 30 minutes max, and they were all asleep. So I think just a real encouragement for us all to be self-reflective, self-aware people about our limitations, what we can and can't give, what we have left and what we don't. If we go on. Yeah, a little bonus round. That's kind of coming into land. It's nice, it's nice. Um, these came up by chance, just in my own reading, but they both had zeal in. And I thought, well, oh, maybe God's sort of doing something there, you know. So um, I wanted to share these. I've got two passages. Um, if you could turn now to 2 Corinthians 7. Um, great reading. We won't be there that long. But this is something that came up in my reading the other day, and I just um, wanted to share it with you. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 to 7. I don't understand that, actually. Yeah, yeah, here we go. All right, let me read it to you. Um, oh, and the context quickly is um, mission around Europe. The highs and lows, the excitement, the adventure, uh, the real significant um, disappointment and struggle and pain and turmoil of early church crusading in a good way of crusading. For when we came into Macedonia, this folly of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Um, actually, my translation is we had zeal for ardent concern. Um, ardent concern's okay too, that's good. Um, I don't think I always prefer to because it's a cool word, and it's good in Scrabble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I stopped and wanted just to think about what, what God wanted to say in this, because it didn't just come up by chance, I'm adamant about that. And I, I'm not in church leadership, and I have the great joy of you know, coming in in other places every so often, speaking to you all, and then not having to do the day-to-day paperwork and scrummaging and other things that are part of the more glamorous front-facing things like speaking. Uh, and actually, I'm sure I speak on leaders' behalves when I say, I cannot tell you how much they need to see your zeal. I cannot tell you how much they need to hear your encouragement, see your passion, 
Um, and that you're feeling things, and that you're interacting and engaging, and something's going on. And it's, it's completely okay if it's not. What I'm not, mm-hmm. not saying is to be inauthentic or to fake anything, but what, what, what I think I am pushing against is how we can sometimes be as individuals, perhaps particularly in Britain, where we're a bit maybe conservative, small C, and how we want to look and how we want to appear to feel and how, and how we're engaging. And actually, I'm sure that people like Matt are so encouraged when they see people taking notes, when they see people with their hands in the air or at the back with their hands open wanting to respond. <laughs> people crying and actually opening up about how they're feeling, coming up after the service saying, I really like this, I really like this, maybe we should do this a bit differently. Um, it really, really encouraged Paul, and I'm sure it encourages church leaders today to see zeal and spiritual kinetic energy, something going on. And then the last thing is in Isaiah, um, you'll probably know this one, this one's wheeled out at Christmas a lot, for good reason, Isaiah 9. Um, if you all turn to Isaiah 9, and I'll just um, finish there. Um, yeah, this is, um, what a, what a, this is a powerful man. Really powerful, Isaiah 9. I can actually just find where Isaiah is, it's in the middle of it. <laughs> Isaiah. Yeah, I'll read this one as well. Isaiah 9, let's go to, yeah, to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Gideon's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. I love this verse. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And I just happened to come up with my reading, and I have to be honest, I wouldn't have thought of that passage tonight. But I think it's a perfect way to end, because let us all leave here absolutely aware of and convinced of the zeal of the Lord to redeem humanity. So much so that he sent a helpless baby to be born by a virgin in a stable. They were on the run, fugitives. Um, and he ended up being the sacrifice of the world. Um, humiliated and tortured denied a fair trial, stripped naked, his clothes gambled, um, and loads of people doubting and not thinking they'd ever see him again. Um, that's how zealous the Lord is to save every person. Um, and that zeal remains today. Isaiah 9 has not run out. And it's not only for Christmas, it's for every day of the year. Amen. Amen. <laughs>